Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday. It is March 15th, the Ides of March, and I thank you for joining me. Uh, Happy Friday to all of you. I hope wherever you are, the spring weather is starting to spring up, Uh, although I know that there's parts of the country with storms and blizzards, and uh, it's that crazy time of the year where uh, Winter's not yet ready to release its grasp, and in some places, spring is starting to to pop up. So hope, uh, again, that where you are, the weather is cooperating. Hope you had a good week. But it's certainly been, once again, a turbulent week with immigration truly leading the hit parade. Uh, Those of you who are familiar with me know that uh, I am a retired senior special agent with what used to be the Immigration and Naturalization Service, the old INS an agency that was thoroughly screwed up, never did its job properly, never had the resources to do its jobs properly, and the implications were severe, severe for public safety, national security, the livelihoods of Americans. And I've made the point repeatedly that these were failures by design because too many people have skin in the immigration game, whether it's the crooked employer who wants to replace American workers with illegal alien workers at the bottom rung, Corporations that want to import high-tech workers with visas, giving the appearance of legitimacy and legality, even though that system lacks integrity, whether it's religious organizations that are looking to fill the pews with new members, whether it's a chamber of commerce who just want to stuff as many people into America the way they would stuff how many people into airplanes. (laughs) Not long ago, I remember seeing this wacky setup where it looked as though if you were going to get on an airplane, it would almost be like riding a horse on the merry-go-round. You would have a saddle to sit on and a pole hanging from the ceiling to support the saddle. Why would they do that? Higher density. Let's cram more people into that airplane because every person we could shove into that airplane, even if they they wind up with blood clots because they can't move their legs or their feet, the hell with that, we can make more money. We have become the country that knows the price of everything and the value of nothing, and immigration is leading that parade. Just as the Chamber of Commerce and the greedy airlines would do everything and anything possible to shove yet one more passenger into an overcrowded airplane, and God knows what happens when you try to evacuate the airplane. I mean, I know there are FAA regulations, but, you know, those are optimal evacuations. What happens in the real world? God knows. But nobody seems to care. And um, I don't know if it's true that, you know, we've got a long way to go. But even if you look at this recent uh, crash of the Boeing airplane, two of them, um, some accounts claim that part of the problem was the fuel efficient engines that were installed in the newest version are bigger and may have moved the center of gravity of the airplane um, into a different position. So the airplane had to compensate for that. And I'm not an aviation expert, although I did do a little single-engine flying when I was a kid. But it's all about the money. Burn less fuel, crowd in more passengers, um, stuff more people into the center of our cities. And then we charge the residents of New York, and they're trying to do this to us now with congestion pricing. Congestion pricing. New York is a sanctuary city. If you got rid of half of the illegal aliens, there'd be no congestion. But nobody in positions of authority seemed to care. It's all about wringing every last possible penny out. It's about charging as much as possible. It's about one scam after another scam. We have corporations like Google willing to cooperate with China, China, a totalitarian communist country that has no respect for human rights. Their idea of human rights is what I call North Korea light. I mean, think about it. And Google says, oh, we'll work with China. But on moral grounds, we won't work with the U.S. military. What moral grounds? What moral grounds? So, so here we are. Let's flood America with cheap, exploitable foreign labor, foreign tourists, foreign students. Oh, and don't forget the most important of all, 
clients for immigration lawyers. You can find those critters in both parties. That's why they wanted a massive amnesty. Get the aliens out of the shadows. Uh, pardon me, immigrants. God forbid we use the legally proper term of alien, which simply means any person, not a citizen or national of the United States. Let's get them out of the shadows. By the way, comprehensive reform didn't call for hiring a single additional agent. So how are you going to get them out of the shadows? Entice the ones that don't believe that their names or fingerprints are going to show up on any terror watch list or indicate that they're outstanding, that they have outstanding warrants and are fugitives because those characters aren't coming out of the shadows. Then there was never any money allocated or efforts made to get them out of the shadows to make us safe. Although that was what they claimed will be safer when they're out of the shadows folks. Really? They didn't want them out of the shadows. They wanted them in the waiting rooms of law firms across the country. If you want to know where the collusion is, it's on immigration. Remember the eight gangsters? Oh, yes, the media called them the gang of eight. Well, I call them the eight gangsters. Bipartisan. That's another good term to look out for. When you hear about immigration and bipartisan in the same sentence, hold on to your backside because here it comes. This is all about displacing American workers, adding more voters, driving America to the left if you are in the Democratic Party. And how do you do that? You take away wages and jobs from Americans. That's how you push Americans to the left. The Republicans only see this as a one-sided thing. Well, the Democrats want to import the voters that will vote for them. Well, there's an element to that, sure. But if you destroy the middle class, everyone who leaves the middle class and becomes part of America's poor becomes a Democrat because the Democrats will offer you free stuff and the Republicans will say, go to hell. So, it's both parties that are looking out for their interests, not our interests. And in the latest betrayal, the House and the Senate voted against the emergency bill uh, or the emergency that was declared by the president because of the situation on the Mexican border. And that's what I really want to focus on today. But before I get ahead of myself, I just want to remind you that this program, my program, is about providing you with the information that the mainstream media doesn't want you to have. And they're adamant about it. And they lie through their teeth. And it's a constant struggle to get to the truth. If the American people really understood immigration, if CNN and MSNBC, and by the way, years after 9-11, in fact, right after 9-11, I was a regular on those networks. When Lou Dobbs was at CNN, I was on his program frequently more than once a week. When I wasn't on the program, his producers and his reporters were calling me sometimes while the show was on the air looking for insight, looking for what sections of law were applicable, how things worked or didn't work. MSNBC sometimes had me sitting in the studio to do three or four segments in the course of a day. Back then, after 9-11, everyone understood that American lives and America's national security was on the line. And what was interesting that I found was right around the time that the Supreme Court decided a case called Citizens United, which basically said that unlimited amounts of money could be put into political campaigns, all bets were off. Suddenly the phone stopped ringing. CNN didn't want to hear anything from anybody who had real-world immigration experience. MSNBC, much of the same. If you have immigration experience, we're not interested in you. Fox News still has me on. I was just on with... Um, Heather Childers over at Fox and Friends First at the ungodly hour of 4.15 in the morning. Uh, when you get to the studio at that hour, you're not sure if you're very early or very late. It's a wacky time to do a program, but I'll do it anytime they invite me because it's about providing the information. It's about trying to wake up Americans. But the problem in America today is we have become warring factions. We, we've become the bloods and the crypts, you know. We're either on one side or the other, and Americans don't speak to each other. We've lost the ability to have empathy for each other. We only seem to think something is important if it affects us personally. Uh, we've become the nation of the grammatically challenged. Americans today only conjugate verbs in the first person singular. If it doesn't involve them directly, who cares? Your problem, not mine. Nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be more selfish. And I'll tell you what. Nothing could be more un-American. We've gone from e pluribus unum to a Tower of Babel, where most of my neighbors where I live don't even speak English. 
you're lucky if you can smile at the other people because they sure as hell don't understand what you're saying. How did that happen? How did America go from the most literate country in the world to a country where if you get into an Uber, lots of luck trying to tell the driver where you're going? Sometimes it's a challenge to say, hi, I hope you're having a nice day. How did that happen? And then you have Twitter. You know, we've gone from writing letters and being literate to barking at each other with 144 characters. I don't do Twitter. And people say, you know, you're missing out. I'm not missing out. I will tell you, I am steadfast about this. I write for Front Page Magazine. I'm thrilled to do articles for them. In the past, I've done articles for the social contract. You can still see my stuff up there. It's about writing coherent columns and articles, and I occasionally contribute to Newsmax. But folks, you're not going to understand immigration in 144 characters. You really aren't. And all that we wind up is becoming a nation of slogans. That's how the communists control their people. Think of all the Chinese running around with the little red books, thoughts of Chairman Mao, if you're old enough to remember that madness. So we don't really have meaningful conversations. And watch the news programs. A four-minute program is the norm. And sometimes you have a debate in those four minutes. So if you're lucky, you get one or two sort of almost, in, uh, I was going to say incoherent, coherent sentences out there before the segment is up. That's not the way to understand an issue. Immigration impacts virtually every challenge and threat that we face today, from national security and public safety to public health. Um, you name it, we're getting hammered. Education, the environment, everything is getting slammed. How do you discuss that in two and a half minutes on a television program? That's the challenge. Because that seems to be the attention span of the average American. If I do a speaking event, after about five minutes, I see some people fidget. They're waiting for a commercial. You know, I, I want to hold up a tube of toothpaste or something. Or maybe a, a, a pill bottle, because it seems as though half the commercials today are either about drugs that you can't pronounce and you need a prescription to purchase. Try to figure that out or the law firm that promises to sue the company that sold you the pills that made you ill or killed your relative. This seems to be the focus. We worried about a heroin epidemic, so we legalized pot. That makes brilliant sense. Nothing we're doing in America makes sense. You know, I, when I was on with Heather Childers, and this is relevant to this issue of the, of the border wall, I remembered when John F. Kennedy was our president, and when he said, that his words, I believe this nation should commit itself before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. And boy, that was an audacious proposition. And when you read the accounts from the folks at NASA, um, people like Gene Krantz and all the others, I had the privilege of meeting Gene Krantz. I have a photo with them that I, I treasure. True American hero. I met some of the astronauts. These guys were taken by surprise and thought, oh my God, what did he say? We're going where? But that was the old America. That was the America that had real leaders, not imbeciles and idiots like a barmaid or, 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 or a uh, New York senator, two New York senators who I have no use for. And I'm a registered Democrat, but I've had it. I've absolutely had it. Chuck Schumer saying that he hopes the president learned his lesson, talking down to the president of the United States as though he was speaking to one of his kids. I'll tell you who Schumer really taught a lesson to, if you're paying attention. Chuck Schumer served a lesson on Americans that if you die, he doesn't care. Whatever happens to America, he doesn't care. Because Chuck Schumer has an agenda, and dead bodies are nothing more than speed bumps. When you look at how many people have been dying of heroin and opiate overdoses, when you look at the gang activity, when you look at the 9-11 Commission report, when you see that border security is national security, and Chuck Sumer says there's no emergency here. We have a deteriorating situation in Venezuela, and I'm going to get to that in a bit. And they say there's no emergency here. This is a made-up emergency, and he's going to teach the president a lesson. Hey, Schumer, teach yourself a lesson. It's called patriotism. It's called compassion for your fellow Americans. You're an old bum just like me, Chuck. Our days are numbered, you know, unfortunately. How will you be remembered as the guy that sold out our country? Because that's how I see you. That's exactly how I see you and the Democratic Party. And the Republicans are no better, by the way. So I don't want to see any smiles out there. 
you had a dozen Republicans in the Senate vote against the president. And I heard all the nonsense arguments. I was on a radio show today or earlier today where Pat Toomey was on from Pennsylvania. And I'm not buying what he's selling. Well, you know, the Constitution, separation of powers, the budget, and this and that. Go to Article 4, Section 4. And I'm not a constitutional scholar, but this is pretty damn clear. Article 4, Section 4, the states are to be protected against invasion and domestic violence. We're being invaded. Domestic violence? <laughs> Look at the level of death and destruction because of the drugs and the gangs. Death and destruction. I call that domestic violence. How many drug addicts have committed violent crimes to get their hands on the money to feed their habits? How many gangs have been doing this? How many terrorist organizations are being funded by the sale of narcotics in the United States? And the drug trade is a hundreds of billions of dollars a year going out the window. Who's going to pay for the wall? The wall pays for itself, just like insulation on your house pays for itself. And I got to tell you, when I hear the nonsense, like even with Pat Toomey today, and um, I was on Bobby Gunther Walsh, and I love doing uh, Bobby Gunther's show. I've been doing his program for years now. And something really disturbed me about what, what I heard on the radio today. And I'm being blunt that people need to make phone calls and call the senators up and call the members of Congress from all over the country. And don't let them give you that garbage. Oh, if you don't live in my district, you're not a constituent. Have a nice day. Click. No, no, no. They're making decisions that impact America. These are national decisions. They're not deciding whether or not they're going to raise the parking fees in a local town. Then I would agree with them. They're making decisions about national security, so we are their constituents, whether they want to admit it or not. And, and Gunther, who's terrific, said to the senator, you know, this guy Mike Cutler's on my program frequently. He's a former senior special agent with the INS, and he speaks about interior enforcement. What's your position? And Senator Toomey said, oh, he's right. Look at the problem we have. These families are coming over. They can only hold them for 20 or 30 days. He wasn't sure what the number was. And he said, the president is right for wanting to hold them in Mexico before they apply for asylum. And we need more judges. Absolutely. And that was what he said, as close as I can put it together for you. Well, guess what he left out? Hire more agents for ICE. That's never part of the equation. When you talk about visa fraud, the Republicans, as well as the Democrats, will say, oh, yes, hire more people from State Department. When you talk about the employment of illegal aliens, the Democrats will immediately say, oh, get more labor agents out there from the Department of Labor to go after the employer. And when you say to the Democrats, well, you need more immigration agents, oh, no, 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 no. If you do that, they won't pass the law. They won't sign off on that. You can't have agents from, from immigration. Hire, hire labor agents because they can go after the employers. I said, and what happens to the aliens? Oh, well, they get released, but those are immigrants. They're just undocumented, you see. The idea is no matter what we do, at the end of the day, no one is supposed to be removed from the United States. It doesn't matter if you're a pedophile. Actually, if you are, you might wind up in Congress like Denny Hastert, former Speaker of the House. Think of that. This is quite a zoo, I have to tell you. I call the Congress the House of Ill Repute, not the House of Representatives, the People's House, my backside. So the, the story is always, even if the guy's a pedophile, even if he's a child molester, even if he's a murderer, we're not going to deport the guy. He's an immigrant. You're going to separate his family. Never mind that people get orders of protection from family members who are violent. And I wrote a piece a long, long time ago where I compared a warrant of deportation with an order of protection, but for America. But it's always about family reunification. We've got to keep the families together. Well, if the families didn't come here together, there wouldn't be a problem, would there? Stay home. Why are they here? To be exploited. Is that compassion? Of course not. And both sides of the aisle are in on this game. And that's why they did the bait and switch. You know, well, we can't deport them all. We've got to get them out of the shadows. So now the only debate is do we give them a path to citizenship or only permission to work? Either way, American workers are screwed, and either way, American national security goes out the window. But that became the debate. Geniuses like Bob Goodlatte, immigration lawyer who used to be the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, I met with him. His ears were glowing beet red when I got done with our conversation. 
At one point, they thought they were going to pop off the side of his head and fly away like butterflies, especially when he told me how his son would love to see thousands of Indian programmers come to America. I said, what in the world is wrong with American programmers? Do they chop liver? And he had no answer. Look up Bobby Goodlad. You'll see who that character is. Got to start with Zuckerberg. It's about displacing American workers. And the Democrats, and I have a new article out, or will be out shortly. I'm waiting for them to publish it at Front Page Mag. I hope you'll check out my articles after the program, um, where I made the point that the whole idea of flooding America with cheap labor is to destroy the middle class, to get Americans unemployed and underemployed so that they need subsidies to subsist. And the party of the, the Democratic Party is the party of subsidies, not the Republicans, the Democrats. The Republicans are so dumb and so greedy that they don't realize that they're destroying America and their own party's future. But then maybe they'll just jump ship like Bob Goodlatte. Well, I tried to get more H-1B visas. That's what I specialize in. And now I'm no longer in Congress. I can go back to my law practice. I really don't think these people care about long term. They're just caring about what they can accomplish when they're sitting in that seat in the House or Senate and then go back to whatever it was they were doing beforehand. But no one is looking at where America is going to be 20 or 30 years down the road, folks. We've got a problem. We have a problem. And President Trump has been standing up to China and getting hammered for it. Why? All people can think about is if we don't have free trade, we're going to lose money. We're going to lose our country. China is determined to surpass us. They're a totalitarian, communist country. When the wall came down, think of how many people at State Departments were congratulating each other and dancing around, oh, the, the, the wicked witch is dead. We got rid of communism. Meanwhile, Cuba is as communist a country as they come 90 miles off our shore, and their tentacles are extending right into Venezuela and Latin America, along with Iran. China, the most populous country on the planet, is certainly a communist country. But the yo-yos over at State Department and the politicians were dancing the jig. Oh, we killed off communism. Russia is no longer a communist country. Well, you tell me what Russia is. Putin's trying to reassemble the old Soviet Union. And everyone's yelling about collusion with, with Trump. Why don't we look at how, Iran, uh, how um, the, the uh, Iranian deals or the Russian uranium deals were, were cut by, the, by Ms. Clinton when she was Secretary of State? Everybody in politics seems to be in it for themselves. There are precious few leaders who are looking at the situation and saying, is this good for America or Americans? And the problem is that if you want to win an election, you need lots of money. Trump didn't. That's what makes them nervous. And I don't always agree with Donald Trump. His ego is far too big, and I wish he'd stop Twittering. He seems to be less likely to reach for that stupid Twitter account. But he's made this about him, and that's the last thing we need. When I was on with Heather and I started to make this point, I remember Kennedy saying we were going to the moon. And that's why I started to say this before. But nobody ever called it Kennedy's space program. It was the American space program that landed American astronauts on the moon. It was the American space program, not the Kennedy space program. How did this become um, Trump's wall? We're not going to give Trump his wall. If we were building Trump's wall, we would build it around his buildings. You know, we'd build it around the, his, his skyscrapers in Manhattan or, or his golf courses. Then you could say, okay, that's Trump's wall. A wall on the southern border, folks, would be America's wall to protect America and Americans. But because of his ego and because of the way the media has been, this becomes Trump's wall. We're not going to give Trump his wall. Well, they gave Kennedy the space program, but it wasn't the Kennedy space program. You know, the madness that we have in America today is that the Democrats and all too many Republicans are afraid of Donald Trump because he doesn't need their money and because he's not a globalist. These politicians are globalists. And no matter what happens, no matter what they say, at the end of the day, the goal is very simple. The goal is to permit an unlimited number of illegal aliens and legal aliens to enter the United States and do whatever they want. 
And, you know, if you only get one opportunity for a first impression, it's the immigration laws that are the first laws that aliens who seek to enter America or aliens who do enter America are confronted by that have to deal with those laws. So what message have we now sent to the world? We've told the world that if you violate our borders, if you violate our immigration laws, we want to reward you. We're certainly not going to send you home. We will shield you from local law enforcement. We will shield you from immigration authorities, rather. This is local law enforcement. A very funny thing happened to me on the way to a TV studio not long ago. An Uber picked me up. The young man driving the car told me he was from Russia, claimed he came here legally, has a green card. I didn't bother to ask to see it. I'm no longer an immigration agent. And God only knows if you challenge someone and said, let me see your card, even though the law says that they must produce it if they're over the age of 18, if you're an alien. But we got into this conversation about Donald Trump. And he said, you know, Donald Trump is ridiculous. I said, why is that? All the screaming about immigration, the Constitution absolutely protects illegal aliens, people who come into the country. Yes, you can stop people at the border, but once they're here, I'm protected. And I've told my friends this. He said, all of my friends who came from Russia came illegally. Either they, I don't know if they stowed away on ships or they ran the border or they overstayed visas. These are all here illegally. And he said, I told them, if you listen to what the mayor and the governor said, if immigration shows up, dial 911 and the police will protect you. I said, where in the world did you get that idea from? He said, everyone knows it. He said, nobody gets arrested. If you look at the court decisions, the decisions are always on the side of the immigrants. He said, hell, you're better off to never become a citizen. He said, why would I ever want to be a citizen of the United States and lose my my protection? How twisted is that worldview? But here's the problem. Who can blame him? Who can blame him? We have politicians saying that we're going to change the laws so if an alien gets arrested for a crime, the crime won't meet the threshold so that an alien who has a green card will lose the green card. Instead of making certain crimes felonies, we'll make them misdemeanors. We'll do all kinds of things. We'll we'll eliminate laws on the books. You have communities that are telling the police, don't stop people for drunk driving because the neighborhood has a high percentage of quote-unquote undocumented immigrants, and they like to drink and they like to drive. And if you arrest them, immigration might find out about it. They could wind up being deported, even if we refuse to cooperate. So there's an outside chance that that immigrant who drives drunk could wind up deported. Don't stop anybody in certain neighborhoods for drunk driving. So in other words, when people get mowed down, they're killed, they're crippled, damaged to property, that's better than deporting people who shouldn't be in the country in the first place. This isn't the America that I grew up in. This isn't the America... Uh, that that existed when I became an immigration agent way back in 1971. What we're witnessing now is unthinkable, unfathomable. It's anarchy. And it's anarchy created by both political parties. If you think that the Republicans are much better than the Democrats, ask yourself, why was there no wall built? Why did they never hire more immigration agents? Why did they join with the Democrats in trying to push comprehensive reform and then the DREAM Act down our throats. And now the DREAM Act is rearing its ugly head again. And you've had judges saying the president can't stop DACA. It was an executive order, not a law. And you have crazy judges saying, oh, no, 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 it's unconstitutional. DACA itself was unconstitutional. And to this day, if you ask people what's the age cut off for DACA, they'll say, oh, it's children. It's supposed to be 12 years old, you know, 18 years old. No, now the age cutoff is 38, because when Obama stood in the Rose Garden and lied through his teeth, which he was very good at doing on immigration, he said, this is about the children. Congress failed to act. Those were bald-faced lies. Congress voted no. If you want to talk about the Constitution, well, Congress says no, it's supposed to be no, unless the president is Donald Trump, you see. But when it was Obama, they were just joking. They didn't really mean no. Ha! It was a joke. Didn't you get the joke? So Congress failed to act, so I'm acting. Acting how? Acting illegally to give people who could claim they came in prior to their 16th birthday's lawful status, but they could be as old as 31 at the time. 
Well, that was seven years ago. Seven years ago, 31. We're now up to 38. And you have the Koch brothers and you have Soros and everybody in between saying, yes, we have to help the children. We must help the children. It's not about helping the children. If it was about the children, folks, Obama should have been standing in the Rose Garden saying, if you're under the age of 18 and you're enrolled in school, come to an immigration office with your school records, with your student ID, and we'll work with you. You know what? I might have agreed with that. Maybe. I'm not sure yet. But that wasn't what he said. And why did they pick age 35 for the DREAM Act, and then they knocked it down to 31 to make it a little bit more palatable? Well, I've written about this. Because demographers estimated that 90% of the illegal alien population in the United States is under 35 years of age. So if you made 35 the cutoff, theoretically, 90% of the illegal alien population, in other words, tens of millions, could have come out of the shadows and been granted lawful status. Reagan told us that only a million would participate in his wacky amnesty. We wound up with almost four million. And here's something nobody ever talks about. I'm going to give you food for thought. How many of those nearly four million aliens who got lawful status under the Reagan amnesty subsequently filed for their family members under chain migration to come to the United States legally? I wouldn't doubt that those almost four million ultimately allowed maybe 20 million people to come here at the end of the day. And that was then. Now we're looking at numbers that could be 10 times as great. And if we do this, if America does this, you will basically could wind up with a one-party government. Because if you destroy enough jobs and destroy enough wages, you push all those Americans out of necessity. People vote their wallets. They will vote for the Democrats. They won't like them. There will be policies they don't like. Maybe it's about abortion. Maybe it's about school prayer. Maybe it's the Second Amendment. doesn't matter. If you can't pay the rent, if putting the lights on in your apartment at night when you come home from work is a luxury that you can't afford, I promise you, you will vote for the politician who says, if I'm elected, we will provide legislation to pay your electric bill. We will provide you with food stamps. We will help you to get by because we know you're suffering. We feel your pain. And you may not like the rest of the slate, but first and foremost, you don't want to wind up homeless. And by the way, homelessness is going through the roof in those bastions of brilliance like California, San Francisco. We have a homeless crisis in New York City. Why? Because as you flood America with more people, housing is finite, supply and demand kicks in. The price of housing goes up, and increasingly people can't afford to buy a house or even rent an apartment. Think about that. And then you have Alexandria the barmaid. Um, Everyone's calling her AOC. I, I don't like that. She's not JFK. She's not LBJ, and she's not FDR. So she's certainly not AOC. And when people go to Congress, it's supposed to be a temporary assignment, and so we have to consider who they were in, in their prior life. You have people who are doctors and dentists, and they, they're referred to as doctor, Dr. Jones, member of Congress, etc. So Alexandria, the barmaid, who, by the way, I think maybe went to Congress um, because she heard that there were people in Congress who had passed the bar. She said, gee whiz, I used to work in a bar. Isn't that almost the same thing? Because if you listen to the incoherent ramblings that she comes up with, you wonder how could people be following her in a state of rapture? How blind and hypnotized do you have to be? And she went into this big rambling speech, which blew my mind. Don't worry about the robots replacing you on the job. Think of how wonderful it would be to lose your job and have time on your hands to pursue other interests like painting and flying in space. I believe she actually even said that. If she thinks you're going to fly in space with no education and no job, then you have to be a space cadet. But why is she saying this? Why would she want people to think it's not a big deal to lose their jobs? Because then you become wholly dependent on the federal government or your local government for money to live on. And who offers that? The Democrats. 
This is such a drastic, hard push, hard sell to force America to the extreme left. They're doing it in the Democratic Party. And it won't be long before Schumer and Pelosi will finally say, gee, we can't quite turn the wheel that far to the left. And you know what? They're going to be left at the curb like yesterday's garbage. Because the Democratic Party is coming off the rails and they're taking a hard left turn. And no matter how hard left the turn was today, tomorrow they'll go further to the left. But the first thing they want is to have the power to do what they want. And the only way to do that is to get enough people to vote for their policies. Poverty is the solution. The more people who are having trouble supporting themselves, the more voters that they will have who will support their agenda and vote for their candidates. How nobody can see this is beyond me. Now, I I want to turn for a moment. And by the way, if you look at my um, notice that I put up in conjunction with my program on Blog Talk, there's two links um, to TV appearances I did this past week. I was on NRA TV with Grant Stinchfield. Love being on with Grant. He does a great job. And I was on, as I mentioned earlier, um, with Heather Childers, and Heather does a terrific job. So if you look at that, you can click on those links, and you can watch the videos. I hope you find them interesting. Please share this stuff, by the way, with your neighbors. But I wrote an article um, that was published just a couple days ago on the 13th. Open borders are dangerous to our public health. And then I had a subtitle, Ellis Island was a quarantine station. One of the main stories that we're hearing constantly is how many kids are coming down with the measles and mumps. And these can be deadly diseases. How many kids are coming down with it? And then there was a story about some kids who came in from Israel. They weren't inoculated. So we heard a lot about that. But that even stopped because if you start talking about that, you are getting into an element of immigration. And they don't want, they, the open borders folks, especially the journalists, don't want anyone connecting international travel with disease, with epidemics, with pandemics. But so what do they do? Well, the parents that don't want to inoculate their children are creating a problem. Their kids aren't inoculated. And that's why we have a measles outbreak. That's why we have a mumps problem. If you look at the immigration laws, section, uh, Title VIII, uh, section 1182, and I, and I included it in my article, if you go to frontpagemag.com, it's the categories of aliens to be excluded. And I frequently talk about the fact that we're dealing with criminals and spies and terrorists but the very first section the very first section of exclusion are aliens who have dangerous communicable diseases or aliens who are severely mentally ill and that goes back to Ellis Island being a quarantine station and what I included in the article and this is why I think it may be helpful to you and and enlightening for you and people that you're having these conversations with there was a wonderful documentary, and I included it in a piece I did about it, I think a year ago, about Ellis Island. When you come to understand that Ellis Island wasn't this romantic place that everyone wants to make it out to be. Ellis Island was a, was a medical facility. It was the biggest hospital complex in America at the time that it was built. Because back then, any disease, pink could turn fatal. Remember, 100 years ago, there was no such thing as antibiotics. If you got an infection, you were in deep trouble. So if you had an infection and it couldn't be cured, it tended to get from person to person to person, and one infection could cause how many deaths? And and so that was the issue that I raised in my article, that you need to go back and watch the documentary. I think you'll find it fascinating, really looking at an honest account of history. The fact that it's honest should be enough to get people motivated to want it. But understand that um, Ellis Island was designed to prevent people from coming to the United States if they had a disease that could start an epidemic. And in fact, you may not know this. Here's an interesting piece of trivia. Ellis Island was artificial. It's a man-made island. It didn't even exist. Guess where the rocks and material that Ellis Island was constructed from came from? Believe it or not, when uh, the New York City subway lines were being put in and this massive project to excavate all that earth and rock and so forth to put the subway lines in under the ground, they took all of that debris, all the rocks, all of that stuff, 
And that's how they built Ellis Island. It was built on the debris that came out of tunneling for the, for the tunnels for the trains. And it was done on Ellis Island was an island for immigration for one reason. There was no catch and release. And by the way, catch and release does not only apply to the border. When I was an immigration agent, if I arrested somebody administratively, not criminally, administratively, by the way, to draw the distinction, immigration laws come in two flavors, criminal and administrative. Administratively, the remedy to an alien who's here illegally is to have them deported or removed from the United States. Criminally, it's like any other crime. So if you charged an alien criminally with, let's say, reentry after deportation, then you would arraign the person, the U.S. Marshals gets involved, and the person becomes um, you know, a prisoner within that system. But if you're being charged simply administratively, then that's a detention that's being con- con- conducted by, if I get the words out, by immigration authorities. And, and so that's a very different system in terms of resources and so forth. So if I chased an illegal alien and I arrested him, and then I would say to my boss, we need to detain this guy. He's a risk of flight. I had to chase him for 10 blocks. He would listen to all the other people who would tell their stories of how far they ran and if the guy lied, and if he had fake ID. And whoever had the best story, I guess, his alien was detained. Sometimes you might only have space for a dozen aliens and you'd come into the office with, with 60 aliens, you know, all the agents would be doing this. So 12 would be kept and the rest, see you later. You'd serve them with a notice and you were lucky if you saw them again. You might see them again when they filed for a green card because they got involved in a marriage fraud or something. Or maybe it was a legitimate marriage, but my cynicism uh, keeps on shining through. But please understand that in order to avoid catch and release, back then, Immigration had a brilliant idea. They said, okay, we're going to create an island, and we're going to put our facility there, and that's where we're going to hold on to people until we decide whether or not it's safe for them to come to the mainland. That's why it was on an island. They did the same thing out on the West Coast with Angel Island. Keep them on the island if they have a disease, if there's any problem. They're not going to be mixing in with the general population of our citizens because they can make everybody sick and kill a lot of people. See, back then, human lives had some value, not like today where people don't give a damn. 70,000 people died of opiate overdoses, so we legalized pot. Brilliant. Because nobody cares. The death count doesn't matter. What matters is money. More money and more money and more money. That's what matters. The focus is on profit. The focus is on cost out, to use the corporate term. Make a product but find a way to make it cheaper. Even if you destroy the reliability of the product, if you could save a hundredth of a penny on a product and you sell a million of those suckers, think how much money goes into your bank account. That's what America's turned into. The accountants, the bean counters are running the United States today, folks. That's why we've got a severe problem. The bean counters are running the show. And so we know the price of everything, the value of nothing, But here, for example, this comes right from the law. So when people evade the inspections process at ports of entry, they're not entering undocumented. You know, that's a make-believe term. It's Orwellian. It's not political correctness. This was concocted by Jimmy Carter. Oh, they are undocumented. No, they entered without inspection. They're here illegally. They're in violation of law. And so this is one of the things that they are evading. Besides the fact that we're not able to know, you know, if they're criminals or if they're terrorists or whatever, we don't know if they're sick. And some of those children who died, I will, you know, guarantee you, had illness before they came here. But, of course, we have to blame the government for their death because the solution is to stop enforcing the immigration laws. So how do you do that? You vilify ICE agents. You talk about how terrible it is that we enforce our laws. And you encourage more people to come here, which gives the smugglers more potential victims because people think, well, if we can come here and we can get to a sanctuary city, we have nothing to fear. So dangerous as the trek is, as violent and and, and humiliating as it is and life threatening as it is. I mean, women take birth control pills before they head for America because they anticipate being gang raped, believe it or not. But that's okay, you know. Because we need to keep that supply of cheap labor and and so forth coming to America. 
So the, the, the fake narrative, immigration agents are terrible people. The immigration laws are unfair. It's all about brown skin. And no, it's not. As an immigration agent, I arrested people of every flavor from every country on the planet. But you wouldn't know that if you listened to the mainstream media. But I really want you to understand what we're talking about when I, when I speak about how this is bad for public health. Now, so, so this is from 1182, Section 8, or Section 212, the same appropriate section of law. That's the administrative code. Classes of aliens ineligible for visas or admission, except as otherwise provided in this chapter, aliens who are inadmissible under the following paragraphs are ineligible to receive visas and are ineligible to be admitted to the United States, health-related grounds. In general, any alien who is determined in accordance with regulations prescribed by the Secretary of Health and Human Services to have a communicable disease of public health significance. Two, except as provided in subparagraph C, who seeks admission as an immigrant or seeks adjustment of status as the status of an alien lawfully admitted for permanent residence and who has failed to present documentation of having received vaccination against vaccine-preventable diseases which shall include at least the following diseases, mumps, measles, rubella, polio, tetanus and diphtheria, toxoids, pertussis, influenza type B and hepatitis B, uh, and any other vaccinations against vaccine-presentable diseases recommended by the Advisory Committee for Immunization Practices. Think about that. If you can't prove you were vaccinated, you're not getting in. We're hearing all this talk about the parents who aren't allowing their children to be vaccinated and how terrible it is, but nobody is questioning if people who run the border have never been vaccinated, and so they decided, since I can't prove that I was vaccinated, because I wasn't, that I'm going to sneak into the country. And that's what they're doing. And that's why you see people winding up with crazy diseases all over the United States. Because when people run the border, they don't come here the way Neil Armstrong went to the moon. Aliens who run the border aren't simply grabbing some rocks, planting a flag, and going home. When they run the border, they head for the rest of the United States. We have hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens living in the New York City area who ran the U.S.-Mexican border. How did they get to New York? Well, they came on the red-eye flights. We used to surveil those when I was part of the anti-smuggling unit. (coughs) Pardon me. They come in cars, they come in vans, they come on buses, and they come in trains. If they can walk, crawl, or fly, they can make it from the border to any place in the country they want to go. And they do. And then their kids are registered in school, and the potential exists for people to wind up getting sick the aliens who come without inspection may not have been inoculated. Do you understand the dangers here, folks? But there's no emergency on the border. Ask Chuck Schumer, ask Nancy Pelosi, ask Alexandria the bartender. Nothing to see here, folks. Nothing to see here. They oppose human trafficking, but if you have sanctuary cities, you're providing customers for the traffickers, people who are desperate to come here. They might be desperate because they're hungry, so I feel bad for them. They might be desperate because they're wanted for committing violent crimes, and maybe they're looking at a death sentence in their home country or life in jail. They're desperate, too. And we have absolutely no way to know what motivates people to sneak into the country. And even if it's because people are hungry, and we certainly feel bad for people who are in that situation, Please understand something. The solution to world hunger and world poverty isn't to bring the world's poor to America, because probably half of the world's 7 billion-plus inhabitants live below the poverty line. How thin can you slice that pizza, you know? How do we feed the world when we have a problem with malnutrition in America's inner cities, especially among America's minorities? So look at the damage that we're doing But look at the people who want what's happening to happen, whether it's the Chamber of Commerce. And by the way, it's because of the Chamber of Commerce that the visa waiver program continued after 9-11. It should have ended. 
9-11, I've made this point before, there were 26 visa waiver countries. That should have ended the next day. Today, we're up to 38 visa waiver countries. Why? Go to the Discover America Partnership. The Chamber of Commerce runs that. And they will, you will see in, in bold lettering, their goal is to end visa requirements. Why? Because it discourages people from coming to America and spending their money. Again, think of the airplane. Think of that saddle that they wanted people to sit on. <laughs> you know, we, we, uh, we speak to, to the issue of people who ride the subways. They're called strap hangers. In fact, there's an association for people who commute on the subways. They're called strap hangers. And I bet most of you don't know the term because if you're not a New Yorker, you're not old enough, you really don't know. But when I was a little boy, if you got on the subway car and and they didn't have air conditioning and they they had wicker seats and sometimes the straw would poke you in the rear end. It wasn't fun to sit on on those seats, but there was also no graffiti. It was a different era. People were a lot classier back then. You didn't see the craziness you see today, seriously. But they had exposed fans that would be spinning over your head. And there were leather straps you could hold on to. So that when the train rocked and rolled as it was going down the track, you would steady yourself by holding on to a leather strap. Then they started to create metal uh, handles to hold on to. But the earliest trains that I remember from when I was a young boy growing up in Brooklyn had leather straps. Everyone held on to those leather straps. So... They called the people who rode the subways strap hangers because they hung on to the strap. And, and, and so what we're now witnessing is the idea that we're going to have people getting on airplanes, jammed into an airplane, the way that you see people jammed into a New York City subway car during the rush hour. I never in a million years could have imagined that we would turn airliners into flying cattle cars. I never in a million years could have imagined that politicians would encourage so many illegal aliens to come to cities like New York that you would have a congestion problem, not because of Americans who are here, but people who shouldn't even be here. And the solution, of course, to charge congestion pricing, because we want to discourage people from driving into midtown Manhattan because there's just too many people. The problems we face are created by the politicians from both parties, and time and again, we the people are expected to bail them out. The banks failed in 2008. Nobody went to jail. Too big to fail, too big to jail. Who bailed them out? We the people bailed them out. We see it time and again. We're the ones caught in the middle of the squeeze play by both political parties, but where immigration's concerned, all rational thought processes have been thrown out the window. Never mind that drugs are pouring in across the border. Never mind that terrorists are coming across the border. Never mind there have been hearings about all this. The threat assessments about Latin America and the drugs and the gangs and the terrorists. Never mind the hearing a year ago, April, about how Hezbollah, basically an Iranian-backed terrorist group, is working with human traffickers and drug smugglers throughout Latin America to flood America with drugs and illegal aliens, and among them are Iranian sleeper agents. And in the couple of minutes we have left, I have to tell you, <clears throat> I, I was just looking at a, uh, an, a magazine article, and uh, this article is, is kind of interesting, because it, it's um, the Army's own publication. And they were raising the question about whether or not um, Venezuela could become the next Iraq. So think about that. Venezuela might become the next Iraq. And what's the concern there? That Venezuela, with it's basically a failed state, and we know they're working in close conjunction with Iran and with Cuba. This is a threat to us, our national security. And the military, the Army Times wrote the, published the article, and they were talking about how the U.S. military – is working with the military of Colombia and other Latin American countries because there's a massive exodus of people who are fleeing Venezuela because the level of poverty, the level of inflation, people there have lost, I don't know how much weight on average, you know, 30 pounds on average in the last year. There's just no food. There's no water. There's, half the time there's no electricity. Who could stay in those hellish conditions? 
And the saddest thing, Venezuela used to be the wealthiest country in Latin America because of its petroleum. This is what socialism and communism has done to Latin to, to Venezuela, and it's happening elsewhere. And again, go back to that hearing a year ago, April, talking about how Iran is meddling in foreign countries to achieve a meltdown. And we know that for the least the last 10 years or so, Iran has been flying their Quds forces, their shock troops, directly from Tehran to Caracas, Venezuela. So you see the results. When you're told at these hearings, if you're a senator or a congressman or congresswoman, that we know that Iran is looking to latch on to human traffickers to move sleeper agents into the United States across the Mexican border, don't you think we are compelled to secure that border against the possibility that terrorists could be entering the country? And by the way, some Iranian sleepers have been arrested in the United States by DHS, by the FBI. Some of them were, were looking at locations for possible terror attacks. This is a serious problem. But if you listen to Schumer, if you listen to Pelosi, if you listen to all these other people, Alexandria the barmaid, they all say the same thing. And what are they saying? Nothing to see here, folks. The president made it up. There's, there's no emergency. This is fake. It's fake news. The president is lying. Never mind the deaths. Never mind the drugs. Never mind the gangs. Never mind the threat of terrorism. Never mind the fact that the system is overwhelmed. Never mind any of it. There's nothing to see here. This is make-believe. The president made a campaign promise. And we're going to keep them from fulfilling that stupid promise. Because as they tell you, walls don't work. Tell that to Israel. Tell that to so many other countries that have resorted to building barriers to prevent an influx of terrorists, drugs, crime. Walls don't work. Really? Then why do we have walls around prisons? Fences don't work. Then why are there fences around important buildings? By the way, you go to Washington They have barriers that pop up. So if you try to drive a car into a secure area, the barrier will stop you. It will shred your tires. You're not going anywhere. Barriers work. They're all over Washington, D.C., and they're elsewhere. Go to the federal building in New York to see similar barriers that pop up to block vehicles to make sure that a car bomb or a truck bomb doesn't get close enough to one of the federal buildings to do damage. But Congress will say to you, Barriers don't work. Walls don't work. We need high tech. High tech is after the fact. Surveillance is done after the people enter the country. And once they come in, if they come as a family, they yell political asylum. They've got the children. We don't even know if the children are theirs. And the mainstream media is not telling the truth. I've had arguments of people who say to me, they're taking these kids from their families. And I say, we don't know that. That was why Jeff Sessions, when he was still the attorney general, ordered DNA testing. By the way, France has been doing that for years because of people claiming to be part of other families claiming asylum. Sound familiar? So they started using um, um, DNA testing and finding out that these people really weren't related. So we were doing DNA testing, and then the courts complained that it was taking too much time. This is a problem that we have. We as Americans need to make a point of speaking to our neighbors, debunking the lies that they're getting from the mainstream media, and that's what this program is about. Uh, I hope that you will, um, if, if you're able to, forward information about my program, forward information contained in my articles to as many of your friends as possible. I, I need you to be part of what I call my bucket brigade of truth. I want people to understand the dangers that we face whether it's from drugs, criminals, terrorists, economic hardship, or communicable diseases. It's time that America made certain that the needs of its own citizens came first, the way we do with our own children. We take care of our kids before we worry about giving money to charity. And that's what a normal, rational country should do for its own citizens. I thank you for spending the last hour with me. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. And please get involved, folks, because, you know, I always like to make the point that democracy is not a spectator sport. See you next week. So long for now.